You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Third and final hour of Miller and Moulton on this final Tuesday of February. Thanks so much for being with us. Seth Everett and Pat Kerwin on the show tomorrow. Steve Carney to talk some Rays and spring training baseball in a little more than a half an hour. John Harris is kind enough to join us once again. He is live in the Combine in Indianapolis. He is a TV and radio analyst for the Houston Texans and their radio network. He also is a big part of footballtakeover.com. Footballtakeover.com. If you are into the draft and all the prep leading up to it, Make sure you find footballtakeover.com. You can follow John on Twix, Twitter slash X at the letter J Harris Football, J Harris Football. John, it's David and Mark. Hope Indy is treating you well. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I showed up in Indy yesterday and it was 70 degrees. I didn't know what to do myself. I mean, I, we always play up here in, in December, January. And then we come up for the combine, and it's always 20 degrees and snowing. And we walked out yesterday, it was 70. So I hope that's uh, a harbinger of good things for my Texans um, after a pretty good year we had in 2023. All right, going into the combine, obviously the quarterbacks are the talk. I know most of them aren't going to throw, but this is an interesting draft in which quarterbacks are going to go very high. There's five guys that could go in the first round. I mean, this is going to be a crazy draft this year, isn't it, John? Yeah, it really is. I mean, every year that you have uh, a number of quarterbacks, it's funny. I, I just thinking back to the years that we've had quarterbacks, of, you know, a, a decent class of quarterbacks. Oh, this draft is intriguing. It's polarizing. Yeah, it definitely is. These quarterbacks will kind of be all over the place. I think this year's set of quarterbacks, I, if you compare it to last year, like last year, every single quarterback had a knock against them. Anthony Richardson had never played even though he looked like a defensive tackle. Uh, Bryce Young was five foot nine. Uh, C.J. Stroud, you know, apparently screwed up an S2 test. Um, they all had something, you know, Will Levis, you know, ate mayonnaise in his coffee and, um, and, and really, you know, was not all that great. This year's quarterbacks, you look at them and go, well, you know, Caleb Williams does pretty much everything, you know, people, you know, people confident in Patrick Mahomes, I can't do that. That's, that's one cop I'll never make. I won't cop anybody at Patrick Mahomes at this point. Um, but Caleb Williams does things in the football field we haven't seen anybody do. Drake May is 6'5", 220, runs like a deer and, and throws like Dan Marino in some sense. Jane Daniels had one of the greatest years we've ever seen a college football quarterback have, and he's gotten better every single year. It's really kind of hard to poke some holes into these quarterbacks in some sense. Um, you know, even a guy like Michael Penix, you're like, well, he's finished the first four years, you know, with medical issues in Indiana, but, you know, the last two we got Washington to – you know, greater heights than they've had in 30-some-odd years. Um, and he's got arguably the strongest arm I've seen um, in a college quarterback since maybe Josh Allen. I mean, it's incredible how well and how hard he can throw the football. So these quarterbacks seem, yeah, they're, they're, every, every quarterback's going to have some knocks against them. I get it, all that. But when you compare this draft to last draft, my gosh, every quarterback last year should have been playing at UFL, much less the NFL, the way the draft analysts were looking at it. And this group, Man, you can put them in Canton right now. So it definitely makes every draft with quarterbacks and capable quarterbacks very sexy and romantic, if you will. 
And you throw in Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, Oregon's Bo Nix, yeah. and yeah, there's going to be even Florida State's Jordan Travis. So you're going to have an awful yep. lot to talk about in multiple days at that position in this draft. But, John, what is it as somebody, and you know we've said this about you with affection before, you're a draft goober. You love this <laughs> stuff. What is it, though, that you legitimately take from the combine and will use over your next two months in evaluating players? Um, well, I'll tell you the one thing that I hate the most is prospect X met with team Y. I, I hear that question. In fact, when the players start interviewing on Wednesday, the prospects are interviewing, hey, did you meet with such and such a team? Did you meet with this team? Did you meet with that team? Um, <laughs> that, and that one, that one always uh, – Drives, drives me kind of crazy. I think the one that's hardest to kind of stay away from, um, in some sense, is the 40 at the combine. You know, when you see guys that, you know, that run really fast and, you know, maybe you weren't, you know, paying too much attention to that particular prospect. Maybe you should have been. And then dude runs a 4 3 and you're scrambling, like, oh man, I got to, man, I didn't think this guy was very good, but man, he ran a 4 3. Oh, Man, maybe he's really good, and then you realize, no, he's just fast, but he stinks. And there are plenty of those guys um, that end up in the NFL. I mean, I've seen them in, in our building. Um, I've seen them in, in every building. You know, every team thinks, oh, that guy's 6'1", 200 pounds, uh, and runs the 4-3 at corner. Ooh, that guy's going to be a superstar. And you kind of fall for it. And then you watch him play again, you're like, no, he, there's a reason that I have a – you know, a fifth-round grade on him or a sixth-round grade or whatever the case might be. And, yeah, you end up missing. But I think the one for me is just the 40 because you get so enamored with speed. I mean, you know, you look at the Dolphins, you see all the speed, and you're like, oh, they're really tough to stop. You know, when A-chan's healthy and all those guys are running around, you can't stop all that speed. You know, every team wants to have that speed. When it's important, there's no question. But, you know, if you've got a speedy guy that can't play – well, you got a guy that's going to be bouncing around roster to roster because every team thinks, oh, we're going to make that guy a player. No, if he can't play, he can't play. Um, but those are probably, you know, I hate that question of, hey, did you meet with such and such a team? Well, yeah, the good prospects are going to meet with all 32 teams probably. Um, even the Texans, they've got C.J. Shot at quarterback. There'll be some quarterbacks that interview with the Texans. It's just the way it is. Um, but I think the one I fall for and I use and I, and I, I tell myself every year, okay, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Now, there are times when I think a guy's a player, and then he runs a 4-2 or a 4-3, and I'm like, oh, stamp that guy. That guy, oh, yes. And then, of course, the guy turns out to be, oh, no. Um, so that happens, too. But I think the 40 is the one that I probably fall for. Um, the, you know, the, the pull the chair out from under you. You know, hey, I'm going to sit in this chair, man. It's right there. And then, oh, and you fall for it every year because speed is just what everybody wants. Um, but it's the one thing that, you know, there's, there's so few players that are really that fast and can be really that good. There are only, there are only so many Tyreek Hills out there, if you will. Put your Texans GM hat on. What are you thinking for them in this draft, John? Well, I think the first spot is going to be defensive end. I know it sounds weird after getting Will Anderson last year, but, you know, we had some veterans we brought on. We had some injuries at that position. And I don't know whether the team's going to bring back John Grenard. And I think John did a really great job this past year. But he's had injury history. Um, I feel bad for him. He came in during COVID. He's had all kinds of coaches. And we went through three years of hell. And we 
finally have a good year. He has a great year. And I don't know if they're going to bring him back. I would love for them to bring him back. And if they do, I'd probably change my mind. But I still feel like defensive end, defensive line, you know, maybe there's a, there's a guy with some inside-outside um, dual threat kind of abilities like Darius Robinson from Missouri was a guy that could play inside-outside, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 289, that could you know, kind of do it both. That might be a guy to look at. But, you know, D'Amico's experience in San Francisco, kind of using that as a guide, um, I think they're going to want to focus on the defensive line. D'Amico stood up after the, we lost the Ravens and said, look, we need these two things. We've got to improve the running game. And we've got to be even better on the defensive line. And we were small last year. I mean, we, we, we were lucky we had guys that were 300, 305. You know, I kind of, I kind of would like to have kind of our Vita Vea. Um, and I don't know that there's a ton of that in this draft. Rondre Sweat from Texas is 370-plus. He didn't even weigh at the Senior Bowl. He walked past the scale like it was a vegetable and just said, no, not today. <laughs> so, you know, he's got to be 270 or 375. And I don't know if I, you know, to that extent, I wouldn't take him at 23, but I do think there are going to be some edge players that are sitting there at 23. Uh, and I just saw the news this morning about Shaq Barrett. And it's like my eyes kind of lit up. And I know Shaq probably wasn't what he was a couple of years ago. But when you start just seeing veterans that have had some, you know, some pelts on the wall, have some experience, can help you, like, hey, wait a second, is that a guy we're going to look at? So pretty much every edge player, defensive line player that is a cap casualty or is a free agent, we're going to take a look at. But I think when it comes to it at 23, I think there are going to be some options. You know, maybe Layatu, Latu from UCLA falls there at 23. Chop Robinson from Penn State. You know, could fall there at 23. Um, so that's really where I think um, they'd be looking. Wide receiver, I think maybe second, third round possibly. Such a deep receiver draft. Um, and they're pretty good with Nico Collins and Tank Dell right now. So I feel like defensive line is where this, this group has to get better and bigger. Um, and I think they can do that uh, with both cap casualty signings, with free agent signings, and then also in the draft. All right, John, we only have a couple minutes left. What was it about C.J. Stroud that even the Texans folks went, holy blank, he's better than we thought? Man, I, I, I tried to tell everybody in Houston, guys, it was, it was, so, it was so interesting. You know, with that number two pick, you know, people were dog-cussing the Texans for beating the Bears, and I kept telling them, I'm like, look, if, it, you know, if, it's, if it's not Stroud, it's, it's Bryce. If it's not Bryce, it's Stroud. We'll be okay. We're going to get a good quarterback. And I do think that if Bryce had gotten in Houston, he would have much more success than he had in Carolina, but that's a you know, different story for a different day. I think CJ's understanding of the game and his uncanny accuracy. And, and I mean, I saw the accuracy. I was telling him, like, hey, this dude could throw a football into a spot where you don't even think you can throw it to. I kept reminding people, I kept telling them, like, man, and at the end of the year, people were finally like, yeah, John, you're right. You're right. I'm like, yeah, I was right. Um, but even I didn't see that, that coming. His poise, his calm, um, his accuracy was just unbelievable. Um, but his understanding of the game was just incredible. I mean, he picked up on the offense really, really quickly. And D'Amico said this a lot. He didn't make the same mistake twice. And when you don't make the same mistake twice, you get better and better. And then all of a sudden, the confidence grew. And he had, you know, a veteran wide receiver, Rob Woods, who helped him. Tank Dell was a deep threat and did anything he wanted. And Nico Collins turned into a number one wide receiver in the league with, you know, with CJ's help. But there's just this confidence when he stood on the field. And I'm telling you, we played Tampa and there were 46 seconds left and we looked up and we were, you know, down for like, he's got a shot at this. This is going to be kind of fun to watch what he does. And then he went right down the field. I mean, it was incredible um, what he was able to do. And it was like that 
game just built more and more confidence in him. But, you know, that whole SQ test thing, you think, oh, he's, he's a dummy. He doesn't know, boy, he knows football as much as anybody I've ever seen come into our building. And he's incredible. Right. He talks about it. He understands everything that's going on in the field. Um, he is just a blessing to have in Houston. Loves Houston. Um, just a great, great young man. And I'm so glad that, that Carolina passed on him and we got him in Houston because he's going to be our guy for a long time. He's John Harris joining us live from the Combine in Indianapolis. He's TV radio with the Texans. You can read his stuff at HoustonTexans.com, but he covers the league at FootballTakeover.com. FootballTakeover.com. Follow him on Twix, Twitter slash X at the letter J Harris Football. J Harris Football. John, enjoy your week. Thanks for your time. All the best to the family. Absolutely, gentlemen. It's good to be back on. Uh, talk to you anytime. Take care. John Harris, kind enough to join us once again. And yes, Shaq Barrett expected to be released by the Bucks today. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network. Thanks so much for being with us. Steve Carney talks some Rays baseball and a few other things having to do with baseball with Steve coming up in just a bit. So the Bucks don't pick up the $15 million option on Shaq Barrett. I mean, in theory, they could bring him back for less, but I mean, if we were him, we'd probably test the market and see whether or not anybody else willing to give us a little more money than what Tampa may or may not be willing to give. But everybody's got more money than they thought a week ago at this time, Mark. Got 10, 12, 15 million in some cases more than what they thought they were going to have. That's kind of nice. Highest, what? Highest jump ever in the camp. Yeah, 30 million. 30 plus million at jump. 255.4, I think. Well, and they said, well, they didn't use these words, but if you read between the lines, I mean, you can expect this every year going forward because, you know, they apparently had debts they had to pay because of the pandemic. And the thought was they still owed some money. Well, no, players don't owe money. Owners don't owe money. So this is all because of the year one of the TV contract. Well, it's an 11-year TV deal. It ain't going down. So what are we missing here? No, revenues are up. Salary cap will continue to go up. And you and I had talked about this. We we knew the numbers were going up, but the pandemic obviously put a yes. huge damper on what was happening in the NFL in regards to their salary cap. So now that that's done, you should see these type of increases every year, which is I, why we talked about quarterback contracts and why they would be affordable down the road. I think we're going to end up being a year off. You and I said a few years ago, in fact, I don't even know if this was in Act 3. It might have still been in Act 2. When we said by 2025, the cap would be $300 million. Well, it's 255 and change for 2024. If it goes up another 25, 30 million, you're in the 280 range and you figure you'll get to 300 for 2026. So we're going to be a year off. Now, granted, in you know, 
you sign people to contracts in theory, they get more each year for a while. So, you know, a lot of times teams increase in salary cap. It's already spent just from guys going from year two to year three in their contract, et cetera. But Mark, that's the big thing. I mean, you know, Josh Allen and Burrow and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, they're all signed for four more years minimum. Minimum. Well, now the cap's going up half their salary every year. I mean, think about it. By 2027, when we have a cap that's $350 million or $330, I mean, hell, you pay your quarterback $55 million, it's 16, 17% of the cap. That's fine. That's no problem. No, what you didn't want to do is get it over 20. That's where you start having problems managing your cap. But also think about the teams that may be drafting a quarterback this year and where the cap's going to go while they're playing on their rookie deal. Oh, my goodness, do you have money to spend on everyone around them? I mean, this is why, I mean, I don't want to get this fan base really excited, but man, if the Bears have a good offseason with all the, and I'll, the commanders, the commanders of 85 million, they're going to take a quarterback at two. What if they get it right? I mean, they could be good quickly. And we think Dallas is nearing the end of their window and Philly's nearing the end of their current window and the Giants are a mess. I I mean, look at Green Bay with how young and how cheap and how much money they have. Now, they're going to have to pay Jordan Love here in a year, but so what? I mean... Mark, imagine these teams. I mean, look what we just talked with, you know, a Houston Texans guy. Well, look what happened to them. They got the quarterback right at two. They got the quarterback right. Their offensive line that got healthy during the year is all locked in for next year. They've got some defensive unrestricted free agents they've got to deal with. But they, as you said, have that quarterback on what? A rookie deal now. You know, the Bears are picking first. Were were they a seven-win team? Six, seven-win team? I mean, the roster's not awful. It's got holes. It's not awful. It's not the Patriots roster. You know, the commander's roster is not the Patriots roster. Think of where the cap is going. Think of where both those franchises are under the cap now. And they're going to get a quarterback on a rookie deal for 24 5 6 7 and if they get it right so what it's a 25 or 30 million dollar option for 2028 are you serious you're laughing when you're writing that check right at what eight percent of the cap at that point so i mean think about i i hate to do it to bears fans but Man, oh man, if they can nail this offseason. I mean, look how quickly it happened in Detroit. 
They've nailed what? Two drafts in a row. Look what happened to them. He started off what? 0 10 and 1, Campbell, in Detroit, year one? Yes. What, they win three games? 3 13 and 1, yeah. Right. And they've nailed two off seasons in a row. Look at where they are. Now let's take a look at the teams that are drafted in the top. You know, where's Atlanta? Eight? Atlanta's eight. Right. Now we The think Jets are ten. Go... I mean Who's ten? The Jets. Now the Jets, you know, obviously they're not going to draft a quarterback and their guy's forty and they have an offensive line to replenish. Right, but they're but at ten they're gonna get what? Well, they should get an offensive lineman. Uh, in a plug-and-play guy, a starter. Absolutely. Could be a tackle, and they need two. But, I mean, just look at some of the teams that are drafting really highly. Take a look at the rest of their roster, what their cap space is this offseason, where the cap is going quickly, and they're going to have a rookie contract. This is how Pete Carroll built Seattle. With a third-round draft pick at quarterback. You know, Colin Cowherd picked the Commanders to win the division next year. Now, he says a lot of things, obviously. But he said, roster's not bad. They got 75, 80 million. They're going to draft Drake May. He's all in on Drake May. He thinks he's Justin Herbert. Fourth place schedule. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a team that goes from worst to first almost every year. Yeah, this past year it was Houston. And I know you love Atlanta's roster. They're drafting eighth. Right. Now, I think they're going to go a veteran quarterback of some kind. But but if they got their hands on fields, like a lot of people are talking about, it's still on the rookie deal, all that money. Uh-huh. Especially if they keep that pick and give up a second rounder to do it. Who was it the other day that said, uh, uh, was it Fields going to Pittsburgh? Who did he have going? He had a veteran quarterback going to Pittsburgh. Russell Wilson was the, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Russell Wilson was going to the Steelers. And apparently Russ is going to stick it to the Broncos too because he's going to have like $40 million coming from Denver this year, whether he plays for him or not. And, and so he's going to sign a veteran minimum deal wherever he goes so he can stick it to the Broncos. <laughs> Steve Carney's next. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes until the top of the hour. Then the Diamond District bonus hour awaits for our loyal audience in the 239. He's Steve Carney. He's got a baseball website. It's called stpete9.com in which you spell out the number nine, stpete9.com. And then he hosts a podcast, Under the Orange Roof Podcast. Follow Steve on Twix. It's Steve Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. And Steve's kind enough to join us once again. It's David and Mark. Steve, hope you've been well. How are you? I'm certainly uh, excited that here we are. It's, uh, It's baseball season again. All right. Well, uh, 
for most of the Rays, it is. Talk about their starting pitching because we know you've got Springs and Rasmussen who are starting on the disabled list. How is their pitching staff to start the year, Steve? Yeah, it's amazing to think that they're going to start the year with three of their top guys in the rotation on the injured list. And one of them, Shane McClanahan, you're not going to see all year, according to the front office. So, uh, but it's it's actually not in really bad shape because you still have Zach Eflin who's gonna who's gonna head things up. Uh, you have Aaron Savali who you brought over from Cleveland at the trade deadline last year. Zach Littell was a really great find um, coming over uh, on waivers as a reliever and being stretched out to starters' length. And you could argue he was arguably the the most effective starter down the stretch, uh, and then Taj Bradley is expected to take uh, the next step. And then uh, the question becomes, who's going to be the fifth starter? Shane Boss is coming back from Tommy John's surgery, but they've said that his workload is going to be um, limited this year, that they're going to put him on an innings limit because he's still very young, and they want to make sure that he does not have a recurrence of it. He brought over uh, now Yuki Uesawa from Japan, um, who I think is uh, going to be a big surprise to a lot of people because he's ready to go already. Um, and he thinks he can throw 160 or 170 innings. But right now, he's on a minor league contract, so um, you would have to find him a 40-man spot. But I think that's easy enough uh, to be done. But I, I think that they're, they're in really good shape until you can get to maybe the all-star break, and then you're you're expecting to get Springs and Rasmussen back in short order following that. Steve, I don't know how many organizations, if you look at where the Rays were when they got off to that great start last year, you you throw in the pitcher that they traded to the Dodgers. Essentially, four-fifths of their rotation is not going to be with them either this year or at least not for the I don't know, first third to first half of the season. Their all-star shortstop is probably never going to be with them again. Uh, I mean, they've lost a lot in a short period of time. We know they're a great, deep organization. Can they survive all that they've lost for various reasons in the last 12 months? I I think they can, but this is really going to test uh, their uh, ability to stay healthy. You know, most years you could say, okay, if you know a guy goes down, the the team is deep enough that say you lose a McClanahan. Okay, you can bring up a Bradley. Um, you lose a Springs. Okay, you can stretch out a Littell. This year, I think is going to be very important that the guys that they have on the twenty six man roster. Uh, remain healthy because in years past, if you had a guy on the 26 go down, you could go all the way to 40 or even 41 or 42 uh, and, and be okay. This year, I don't think you can say that about the Rays. This is going to be um, a much closer to the top, a, a, a top-heavy, uh, if you will, type of roster because once you get past the guys that are going to be on the 26, it's going to be really tough. Um, especially pitching-wise, uh, because a lot of the pitching that they have in the minor league level 
right now is in the lower minor league level, and I don't think they're big league ready. Position-wise, there's not a whole lot of changes from what I see from a year ago, but who are a couple of guys that, you know, they, they always do this. The Rays find somebody. Who are a couple of newcomers that we can expect to contribute this year? Well, uh, certainly Jose Caballero and, and Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Caballero came over uh, in uh, via trade uh, with the Mariners. Uh, that's why Luke Rayleigh is in Seattle. Um, he's probably going – they're both going to see a lot of time in the middle infield. Uh, around the shortstop spot until Taylor Walls is ready. Um, you know, Rosario has a lot of experience uh, at shortstop. Caballero is probably the better defender. We know that the Rays really value good defense at the shortstop spot, but uh, they feel like uh, Rosario is probably the better of the hitters. So I think you're going to see uh, the, the two of them for sure are, are guys that you're certainly going to be uh, on the lookout for. And the question is going to be, you know, who's going to be the second catcher right now? Uh, the Rays only have one on the ro- on the forty man roster, Rene Pinto. They expect him to take uh, a bulk of the time. Uh, the question then becomes: Is Alex Jackson going to be the guy that is your backup catcher? Do they go outside the organization? Because I certainly think that is a possibility that we may not have the backup catcher on the on the team as of right now. The Rosario signing is the best value of the offseason by any team that's that was an amazing signing for a million and a half bucks he's a minimum 300 at bats guy he can play second short or center field he's a good right-handed hitter against lefties uh it's an unbelievable the marlins needed a shortstop all offseason and rosario signs for a million and a half dollars with the rays I, i cannot believe that they pulled that off. Do they have enough offense, though, Steve? You know, their offense the last couple postseasons has been non-existent, but it's been a good regular season offense, but a bad October offense. Do they have a good enough regular season offense? Yeah, that's that's going to be the, the big question. Uh, obviously, Yandy Diaz had a you know career year last year, uh, and they certainly expect him to uh, – to have a, a similar type of year this year, uh, you know, Randy Rosarena, Isak Paredes uh, also had really big years offensively. I would think that the three of them are going to be the three that you're going to have to build things around now that Rayleigh is gone. Josh, oh, and add Josh Lowe into the mix uh, as well. So between those four, uh, I, I would think that, that you could you could build your nucleus around them and then kind of surround. Uh, that, but I, I think that they can. Uh, but again, it, it's going to come down to health uh, of these guys because, uh, as we've, uh, as I've mentioned, you know, this team is not as deep this year as it has been in years past. Steve, off the field, what's the latest? You know, with the stadium, where are we at? There, everything was done, and then nothing's happened. So, where are we right now? Yeah, right now um, we are. Uh, still waiting on the uh, the politicians to uh, finish off the uh, the doling out of the cash uh, and making sure that the, uh, the the money is going to be there for the for the time that they put the shovel in the ground. Um, I think that's going to happen here in the next couple of months. Uh, I think we got pushed back to April uh, as of right now. It may end up being May before they end up actually having this vote. Um, but I think I think we're going to see shovels in the ground sometime before uh, the end of this calendar year, and then uh, and then everything becomes a reality. I think we've all been saying wait until 
you know, call me when you put the when you put the shovel in the ground. I think that's going to happen this year. Is there any chance, Steve? Like, there's a couple of veterans out there, and they're obviously not close to the players that they were. But Evan Longoria, we all know his connection with the Rays. Joey Votto. Is there any chance that either one could be one of those one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar signings that could play a role with this team, or do they just not fit? I I, I don't see, uh, as much as I like Evan, I don't see him uh, as a fit uh, on the team. You know, know, whose space are you going to give him um, to, to have him on the roster? Right now, I can't find someone... Uh, uh, especially because they signed Ahmed Rosario to a right. big deal, that that I just don't see. Because at that point, at this point, I don't see either Junior Camonero or Curtis Mead making the team out of camp. Uh, and so now, if you sign Longoria, now somebody else isn't going to make the team out of camp, and and it's already somebody that's on the forty man roster. So I just don't see that. Um, you know, and I I think the same thing uh, goes with Joey Votto. Plus, I. You know, I I just don't see Joey Votto signing anywhere other than Cincinnati, just because of his connection with the Reds. And the Reds obviously have decided to move on. The guy that that, would, that I've talked about on ThinkPeak9.com that interests me the most is JD Martinez. Uh, you know, uh, especially as uh, as a right-handed power bat. The the two things that go against him is a he's uh, only a DH, so his positional flexibility is so limited. You know, I think he's a Morris guy. Um, and coming off of uh, a bounce-back year at 36, um, if, he was, if he was willing to take $10 million again this year, maybe you think about it. But he was a 2.2 war guy, and, and knowing Boris, he wants $18 million uh, this year for, for J.D. Martinez, and that's way out of the raise price range. All right, final question. Are they a fourth-place team this year? Which, in that division, by the way, you could still be a good team. You could, in theory, still be a playoff team. But, you know, Steve, they got a, they got a lot of ifs. They need to stay healthy. They're, you know, they're really taxing the depth of their system this year. Yankees are improved. Orioles were better than them last year. Toronto was neck and neck with them last year. Are they a fourth-place team today? Well, I, I think that they could be a fourth-place team and they could be a first-place team because that's how tight the top of the American League East is outside of outside of Boston. Um, I think that any one of those four teams could be a first-place team. Any one of those teams could be a fourth-place team. And as you mentioned, fourth place in the American League East last year made the playoffs. So uh, uh, I think that it, it, is, it, is a, it is a possibility that they could be a fourth-place team but I think they could be a fourth-place team and win 90 games. So uh, I don't know if that is as bad of a notion this year as it would have been uh, in years past. Steve Carney, the site that he referenced, stpete9.com. You spell out the number nine, stpete9.com. He also hosts a podcast under the orange roof. Check it out if you haven't already. Follow Steve on Twix at Steve Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. Steve, thanks for checking in. We really appreciate it. We'll do so later in spring training if you're willing. Absolutely. I'm always willing, guys. Appreciate it. Steve Carney, kind enough to join us once again here on Miller & Moulton. 
Now, for the record, fourth place team last year in the division was the Yankees, and they didn't make the playoffs, but they only won 82 games. I don't see four teams from the AL East making the playoffs this year. But right now, my 20 bucks right now, no one's gotten hurt. I agree with David Sampson, who we had on much earlier on the show, which he doesn't think the Orioles, you know, win 101 games again. But I don't. But do they win great. 91? But well, I think they win 91. That's what I'm I, saying. So, I mean, right? But that's a playoff team. You know, this is a make it happen year for Toronto, or people are getting fired. So I think the Jays will be very aggressive during the season in acquiring people. Uh, the Yankees are better. They're going to hit six million home runs this year. <laughs> they are. Uh, I mean, right now, you know, betting against the Rays is a dumb bet, but what's their over under like 86 and a half. I mean, it's, you know, that's not in the American league. That's not a playoff team. In the national league, that's a playoff team. American league. That's not a playoff team. 84 and a half is the number on DraftKings. Well, then I'd go over that. They're the Rays. But I I don't know if I bet I'm going to make the playoffs this year, Mark. I think they could they could be like an 87 win non playoff team this year. They get some serious help in front line starting in the second half of the year. I like his thought though. I wouldn't mind them spending a little bit of money. 10, 12 million for JD Martinez. They could use another bat. They could, David, they could for sure use another. Because you talk about the pressure of the starters, talk about the pressure of a Rosarena, of Ramirez, of all these, of all the yeah. bats to have the same type of year, if not better, than they did a year before. That's a, that, we're asking that of the Orioles and think it's not going to happen. It's tough to ask it of the Rays. The Rays actually one of the few teams in which roster spots are up for grabs in March. There are not many of those anymore. But their depth is being so tested. As we mentioned, four of their top five starters from last year are not going to be with them at the start of this year for injuries and trades. <laughs> wow. Miller and Moulton. Along the network, if you missed any of the show, go to floridasportsnetwork.com. You can download any portion that you may have missed. In the 239, we do this little thing called the bonus hour. Brought to you by Jason and Todd of the Diamond District. That is coming next. Thanks so much for listening.